You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. Pack your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now, so get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lords. Hey everybody and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 67, Angry Eyebrows and Emoji Bots. I am as always one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my podcasting companion through time and space, we have Paul Gann. Um, Jason, I got a little news for you. What? Don't panic. Just keep smiling. Okay, why am I smiling? Everything will be okay. Why am I smiling? Just, just keep smiling. Why am I smiling? Just keep smiling. Every, everything will be okay. Um, but just, just keep walking. Don't look What's behind you. Just keep walking and smiling, and everything will be cool. All right. Come on. Let's. let's you're scaring me. Let's, let's go over here. Come on. Paul. Come on. Okay. Paul, you're scaring me. What's going on? Gonna, Please I'm, tell I'm me. Close this door, and we're gonna be okay. Paul. Paul, what's going on? Okay. Okay, we're good. We're good. <laughs> How's it going, Paul? <laughs> well, now that we're uh, alone in private, away from those things, I think we'll be fine. <laughs> those things. You, you didn't see those, those little things with the fried egg heads? You wouldn't let me look around. <laughs> well, it's... it's... I'm doing... <laughs> No, I'm scared, and we're locked in a closet together. We're, we're, this is, we're, um, we're good. We're, we're okay. Just, just don't panic. We'll figure out a way to get out of here. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> There's our Star Wars quote for you. All right. Now we got that out of the way. <laughs> we're back with another new episode of Doctor Who, which yes! is so exciting to say that we've had a new episode two weeks in a row now. Um, and we're getting another one next week. Yes. What? <laughs> How is this possible? Could Doctor Who actually be having a full season? <gasps> All in one chunk and not split up? <gasps> be still my heart. Right. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited that we're just, talking. Just enjoy it while we have it and we won't talk about the rest. Right. Right. <laughs> So we got a lot to talk about with this episode, the uh, episode titled Smile. But before we get there, uh, let's jump over to the news. And when we say news, we kind of really mean rumor. Yeah. So there's a, there's a big rumor floating around. That it was around last week when we recorded, but we didn't talk about it. But, Paul, what's, what's floating around there? We, we, 
we've already seen that we're going to get two masters this season. Am yeah. I hearing correctly that we might be getting two doctors this season? Yeah. And not in the way everyone is assuming? Not only are we looking at getting two masters, and which, by the way, um, it looks like John Sims is actually going to be sporting the masterly beard uh, in this mm -hmm. next episode. But uh, yes. it, the, the rumor that's going around is that um, the Christmas special following the two episodes where we have coming up at the end of this series with the Cybermen could mm -hmm. possibly involve the first Doctor. The first Doctor? Wait, yes. isn't William Hartnell dead? Yes. How could we do this? <laughs> How could we do this, Paul? Mm, <laughs> with a buddy double. <laughs> oh. Well, there was that uh, docudrama yes. uh, for the 50th anniversary uh, about the first Doctor, or William Hartnell playing the first Doctor, which starred David Bradley. And the rumor going around, correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, is that he would be coming back to play the first Doctor, of course, being the third actor to officially play the first Doctor right. on screen. Um, I forget the actor's name who played him in the five Doctors, but there was another guy who was okay. But, um, yeah, that could be interesting. And and they're also saying that this Christmas special, not only having the fifth, the, the first Doctor, and it could be tied to the 50th anniversary episode. Yeah. Is that correct? That's what the rumor is. The rumor is that... Uh, we're supposedly going to see uh, the uh, the first Doctor appear in this last in this Christmas episode with uh, the twelfth Doctor, and that it's supposedly supposed to be pulling him out of the middle of his storyline in the tenth planet, which is supposed to explain why he had such a small amount of screen time in the tenth planet storyline. The, the 10th Planet, folks, uh, for those who don't know, is the first Doctor's final storyline in which he had the run-in with the Cybermen. Right. Um, and he was absent for about one and a half episodes. Uh, right. Because William Hartnell ended up having to take uh, emergency leave uh, for health reasons uh, during the middle of filming. Right. So. Uh, but the, supposedly this is supposed to have connections in some way or another that tie into the events that take place at the end of the 50th anniversary special, which would then explain uh, that while the events uh, of the 12th Doctor coming in to help the rest of the incarnations of the Doctors to save Gallifrey, um, he's actually in the process of preventing himself from regenerating at that point. Um, that's supposedly the rumor. And so there's supposed to be a significant reason as to why, or there, is there supposed to be a more significant reason as to uh, his appearance in the 50th anniversary special after the end of this Christmas special, uh, apparently. Okay. So, hope we got all that. First Doctor is supposed to come back in the Christmas special <laughs> to convince the 12th Doctor to make his appearance in the 50th anniversary special. Because we're going to be all sorts of timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff all over the place now. Because um, that's what Stephen Moffat does. <laughs> well, we do know that there was a, uh, a point in that where uh, the, f the first Doctor was supposed to be given information about this event. And he was supposed to be uh, one of the incarnations that was gathering other incarnations together. So, there's that. Oh, that was originally that was originally part of supposed to be part of the 50th anniversary from, script. From, from what I gather, um, yeah. Oh, I did not know so, that. 
I think that it was Intriguing. supposed to have something to do with with Clara and all of that. I don't I don't remember, but that's that's what I have gathered from what I've been hearing. Okay. Well then. And there's been this rumor going around that there was supposed to be some kind of Clara cameo somewhere in this series. So there's that too. Well, they've already kind of referenced her with, you know, the doctor uh, last episode right. where, you know, about having his memory wiped. So, um, of course, if that, I, that's if, possible. If I tried to go around and, and reference all the different places where I found this information, I would be here for probably 30 minutes trying to reference all of it. It, I'm just right. putting so we're, together we're, all the pieces in one place. So, right, right. So there's you know part of this rumor is over here, part of this rumor is over there, right. part of it's somewhere on the backside of Antarctica, um, and we're just sort of all piecing it together. That being said, there's not a lot of official news out right now because hey, we're in the middle of the season, and there's we're not close enough to really start getting information on what's supposed to happen in the finale yet, other than Mondasian Cybermen. Yes. Which I think that would be really cool if we found out that the reason why the Mondasian Cybermen are here is because we are tying the last three episodes of Peter Capaldi's run into the meeting of the first Doctor, etc., etc., etc. I'd be okay with that. Uh, just saying. <laughs> so, and maybe, maybe before the end of the, his run is over, we will actually meet Susan again. Who knows? Um, that's just Ooh. a speculation. There's no actual rumor. That I know of. This well, there was that. an but actress. That probably is somewhere. There was an actress in that docudrama that looked a lot like her. So you know, you never know. Mm -hmm. And Carol Ann Ford is still alive. So if they want to have an older version of her, right. they could just get Carol Ann Ford back. So, all right. Anyway, let's stop speculating <laughs> and rumor mongering. Let's let's get back to the, what people really wanted to come here for. I thought they came for Doctor Who. Well, <laughs> yes, but they came here for our episode <laughs> discussion. <laughs> Today we're discussing uh, Series 10, Episode 2, titled Smile. It was written by Frank Cottrell Boyce. Directed by Lawrence Goh, who also directed last week's episode, and of course was officially released for the first time April 27, 2017. It's so nice to say a year that doesn't begin in 1970-something. <laughs> Just saying. The very brief synopsis here is, uh, The Doctor and Bill Potts travel to the future. They come across one of the Earth's first colonies, but can they save the colonists from the Vardy? Okay. Let's go ahead and jump into this. Of course, uh, folks, we're, we're doing more of a review style for the, the new episodes here. We're not going to be talking through all the plot details as we do on our story reviews. Uh, we're just going to be reviewing the episode since most of you should have already seen it by now. And, um, and if you're not, yeah. if you haven't, what are you doing? <laughs> if you didn't, go watch it and then listen to this. Right. <laughs> Spoilers. So, Paul, first of all, overall thoughts on this episode? I really liked the way that this was put together. And this is what I mean. It felt tonally and in other ways, it felt like a classic episode. It, 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 it started out right where the last episode left off. Right. 
So you have this transition. You could almost made this a two-parter, you know. Mm-hmm. You have this transition of episode one transitions directly into episode two, just like the classic series. You had the story, even though it was a one-hour story, you had the story feeling like it was broken into two or three parts. So you literally could see how this could have been broken into chunks and made into separate episodes. And so I really liked the fact that it was done to intentionally have that feel of a classic story arc. Yeah, it it really did. And, and it looks like, you know, based on what we're getting at the end of this episode, uh, they might be doing that for the whole season, or at least I would chunks love of it, because we we went <laughs> we went directly into what we're getting next week. I know the final scene of this. The final scene of this episode is basically uh, spoiler setup in a way for <laughs> what comes next. And that's you know? one of the things that I loved the most. Being a child <clears throat> when I discovered this uh, show in the first place is the way that it transitioned from one episode into the next and it felt like one ongoing storyline it didn't feel like a bunch of separate stories that's very true i i also like this episode and i did get that classic feel but those people but people who haven't watched a lot of classic who i feel probably also uh didn't feel like the it was a slow moving episode either so it was it had a classic tone without right. the classic pacing in a in a sense if you get what i what i where i'm coming from there to a certain extent Uh, um now it it did have a little bit slower pace at the beginning than some of the other episodes have had but i i think that it was well done i don't think that it was overdone right so there's a couple of things in in this episode i want to bring up number one let's start near the very beginning uh does nardle not like bill because (laughs) she's bill or because he's being overly protective of the doctor I uh, honestly, I think it's probably more than one thing. Um, and I'm starting to lean more in the direction of what we talked about last week um, with is Nardole a cyborg? You know, is he not <laughs> fully human because he keeps referencing her as that human? Right. You know, and <laughs> and it's it's kind of funny because you hear him specifically say, I'll make some tea for you, but I'm not going to make any for her. I'm not going to be any slave to any human, you know? Right. <laughs> and so I, I think some, I think in a certain way, he's kind of a little jealous of her. And I think in other, okay. in other ways, I think that he almost kind of has this resentment because maybe he's not completely human anymore, you know? Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I think he also is definitely looking out for the doctor's well-being because, of course, you know, he knocks on the TARDIS door and when Bill asks who it is, he goes, Mom. Yes, I Um, love that. (laughs) Mom. Mom. It's Mom. Oh, my gosh. Yes. uh, Nardole equals uh, the doctor's parental figure at this point. Um, Which is really strange, you know? It It is. Um, and of course, he's trying everything he can to make sure the doctor doesn't get his hearts hurt again uh, after what happened with River Song yeah. um, and what happened with the last Christmas episode. Um, you know, the doctor, while he saved the day, kind of had to, you know, reopen some old wounds in order to do that. Um, and of course, there's whatever this promise, this oath that he's got to guard this vault. 
which is another thing I want to talk about. What is that all yeah, about? Because apparently it's a, a thing happened, and because of the thing, he made the promise to stay on Earth and guard the vault. I would kind of like to know if this is something that happened prior to uh, the Christmas special, or if this is something that happened uh, when he went into the past after the Christmas special, or, you know, I, I would like to know how this kind of all lines up. I mean, we'd all like to know what this is about. Let's be honest. The doctor's being uber mysterious. Yeah. And this is going to be that, you know, connecting thread throughout the entire series <laughs> that we're going to have to wait till like two episodes before the end before we find out any real information about it. You know, it, it's and it's going to drive us all nuts. It's this series bad wolf. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> you know, and it's going to drive us all absolutely freaking nuts by the time they finally get to explaining what this vault is you know I, I i was listening to something online today and i usually i usually tend not to do this I, I tend to stay away from other people's reviews and things like that um before we do ours because i like to go into it with a fresh set of eyes and and not be influenced by other people right but i was i was i was actually looking at the um was looking at the coming next trailer Again, the one that shows after the episode. Okay. I was looking at that, and I was looking at a couple of other promotional videos that just show little clips, you know, non-spoilery clips from the, the upcoming episode for next week. And this one just started to autoplay on YouTube. And I, I didn't catch it and, you know, didn't turn it off in time. But one of the things that this one person said was this episode felt to them much more like a Davies episode than a Stephen Moffat episode because the Davies episodes, a lot of them feel more like the classic series than some of the stuff we've gotten in, in, you know, later seasons. And so I kind of can see that a little bit though. I, that that's not something that was in the forefront of my mind, but I can kind of see that uh, a little bit, uh, that this did seem to have a little bit of that feel to it, you know? Yeah. Um, and another thing that made it feel a little bit like classic, episode is we're getting not only you know the great score by murray gold but he's also starting to work in a lot of the synthesized sounds too yeah that are typical of like a fourth or fifth or sixth right or seventh era you know doctor era music you know he's weaving some of those in there and i'm, and I'm thinking primarily more five six and seven uh in terms of the, the way the music sounds there's elements of that that duck in and out depending on what's going on right in this episode and i noticed it this episode i don't think i noticed it last week but i noticed it this week so that's interesting that they're they're really sort of you know bringing the idea and the thoughts and the feelings and the references to the classic series kind of to the front this season and as someone who's a huge fan of the classic series <laughs> i'm okay with that yeah i know i like that actually um, but it, it almost makes you wonder, though, because we are getting those elements and we are seeing more classic villains and more classic tones and even some classic pacings in a couple of places. It almost makes me wonder if some of the rumors might be true. Mm, like the one we talked about this episode. Yes. <laughs> which I'm OK with. Um, yes. So. <laughs> so Bill wants to go to the future, not the past, because she wants to see. If the future is happy. Right. What did you think about that? <laughs> that's a that's a kind of an interesting reasoning. It's not a reason I've heard before on the show. Well, I misheard it the first time that I watched it. The first time I watched it, I thought she said, I want to see what's happening. But then uh -huh. the second time I watched it, I realized she said, I want to see if it's happy. And 
so that kind of struck me as ah, I see what you did there, you know, right? <laughs> because, right. But but uh, no, I it's it's fine. I mean, it. The, I will say this: the the feeling that we're getting with Bill is much more reminiscent to me of the classic uh, companions versus the more modern companions that we've had in more recent yeah. years. Uh, she feels yeah. more like a classic companion, and that's kind of interesting to me because. That's something that I think that we've needed in certain seasons and haven't always gotten. Right. And I love it. I mean, I love the fact. I mean, we talked about it last week that she's, you know, definitely got that ace-like aspect to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and ace is, like I said, in one of my in my top three or five companions of all time. So I'm okay with that. She, she's definitely along the lines of, say, an ace or a Sarah Jane Smith or, you know, to a little extent, um, Susan, because they're obviously making parallels between right. her and Susan already. Not so much in personality, but in terms of her relationship to the Doctor. I think she's a little bit more like Joe than she is a little bit more like Susan. Yeah, Joe Grant too, yeah. But there's there's a lot of different layers to, to her uh, character, and there's a lot of classic companion feeling in that the portrayal of, the, of that character yeah. i really like it and yet at the same time it feels completely fresh and new too. it does you know yeah i absolutely love the chemistry between <laughs> these two characters i thought it was so funny when she said uh surely we didn't come all this way and everybody's gone out <laughs> should have texted first <laughs> right <laughs> I also love the fact that when they first get to the city and she's like, you know, of course we've seen this clip everywhere, but you know, the, the robot responds in emoji and she goes, it speaks emoji. And she gets so excited about that. And of course the doctor, the doctor goes, of course it does. (laughs) Well, he, he says, well, let's see what, what part of your, uh, your speech, uh, your communication survived this far in the future. And then we get the emoji face and she goes, it speaks emoji. Of course it does. And it's kind of funny how he references that later and says, only humans have ever used emojis. Right. <laughs> right. So he immediately knew it was a human base. Yeah. I also love the fact that his emoji button has eyebrows. I know, right? <laughs> like, not just regular eyebrows, but like gigantor massive eyebrows. Um, oh. So. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, no, I'm right. loving the chemistry between these two. And of course, we're still early on in Bill's run. So she's still learning things about the doctor. Of course, she learns that he stole the TARDIS this episode. She learns that he doesn't always know how to, he's controlling it um, or if he's controlling it at all. Uh, she also learns about the two hearts thing. You know, what I thought was funny is the fact that he just flat out openly told her at the beginning of this. Yeah, I stole it. You know, right? <laughs> because he's never done that before. He's always kind of just, he normally says. You know, I borrowed it, you know. Right? <laughs> He's also said that it stole me, or the TARDIS has said that she stole the Doctor. Right. And we got the uh, uh, the TARDIS in human form with Matt Smith. <laughs> I'm forgetting the name of that episode off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, she says, you didn't steal me. I stole you. And and he's flat out just referring to the TARDIS as a female now. So, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also like the fact that she notes that the chairs are way too far away from the control panel to be of any real use. <laughs> I think her biggest question was, if you don't have them close enough to do anything with the controls, why do you have them at all? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, unless you like stretch your arms like Mister Fantastic. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I stand like this. 
<laughs> he, and he poses, basically. Right? <laughs> Trying to look super cool, you know? <laughs> yes. Um, um, okay, I got to yeah. ask you. I have to ask you. Okay. Because you know how I am about uh, the layout of the stories and all of this and how I like mysteries and all this kind of stuff, right? Right. What right. did you think about the fact that they basically gave away the whole murderous robot thing at the very beginning of the story as opposed to letting you discover it along with the doctor. I like it this way in this aspect because you see the danger. Mm -hmm. You know the danger of this. And you know that the doctor is going to be puzzled and get more irritated and angry when he can't figure out what's going on. Right. And you know that if he's not smiling, they're in trouble. <laughs> and you know something's going to happen and they're going to stumble on the truth. And then that, you know, the crap is really going to start hitting the fan. The skulls are really going to start being <laughs> composted, whichever you prefer. Crunchy, crunchy, and so it's crunchy. the tension building. It's the tension building as they get deeper and deeper and farther and farther into this city without finding out the truth. Right. And you're just waiting for the hammer to fall. Um, and I think this time it works. There are some times where I would have preferred to find out the mystery along with the doctor. But I think this time... It works. It builds the tension because otherwise you just have a couple of friends wandering around the city, you know, right. gabbing about emojis and, right. uh, you know, stuff like that. Well, you know, and, it, and it's just it doesn't first, make a lot of sense. At first, I thought it was going to bother me because of the way that I am about that kind of stuff. But as we got further into the story and I realized how much it was causing the tension to build and how much uh -huh. creepier everything felt now that we had seen that at the beginning. <laughs> I was pretty right. okay with the fact that they'd shown it to us at the beginning. Uh, now, if we, yeah. if we were going back and looking at something like the Claws of Axos, where they showed us the threat <laughs> at the beginning, and there was no real specific reason for them to show us the threat at the beginning, I would, uh -huh. say, I would say differently. But I think this time it really worked, you know. Oh, man. You had to go back and reference the Claws of Axos. Well, I was just picking a storyline where they did the same thing. So. Right. I know, I know. But... <laughs> That's, Go ahead and say it. That's not a bad story. It just has some really bad effects. <laughs> it does. It does. It does. It it's would a make terrible a great effects. audio drama. It <laughs> <laughs> would be a great episode to watch if you're tripping on acid. <laughs> or if they oh, made an animated version. <laughs> Case of hot sauce. Um <laughs> All right. I also like the fact that when they realize that they're in trouble, that Bill finally puts the pieces together as to why they don't call the police. Yeah. He's like, shouldn't we call the police or something? Call, go for help. Call the police. And he goes, no. Why would we do that? <laughs> so, of course, the next question, of course, would be, though, who do you call as the intergalactic police? I mean. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, Yes. A traveling madman in a police box, you know, of course. Uh, which is why we have the show. Um, <laughs> do you really think that he's as mad as he makes himself out to be? Sometimes. Or do you think it's an act? Oh, well, of course. Well, he plays it up, obviously. <laughs> but there's times where he's madder than a hatter. And, of course, that makes me think of Sylvester McCoy when I say that. <laughs> madder than a hatter. Because um, I feel like he said that one time. <laughs> Speaking of Sylvester McCoy, actually, this episode had some elements that are kind of similar to one of his stories. An episode titled The Happiness Patrol. Have you seen that episode, that story? I have The Happiness Patrol. He's actually the doctor okay. I've seen the least amount of episodes for. 
which I have to rectify. So yes, you do. Yes, you do. (laughs) He is number two on my list, and I love him so much. But no, I the Happiness Patrol is an intriguing episode because they go to this Earth colony, and everyone is supposed to be happy. And if you disrupt the happiness of the community, you're jailed or killed. Nice. And you know, it's of course the doctor has his melancholy mood swings and he's particularly <laughs> in touch with those right in this storyline. Of course so, this uh, is not that is not the only story uh that this references either. No. No. What are some of the other ones, Paul? This also is a direct reference back to the empty child. Yes it is. <laughs> <Dr. Dances>. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Because why do I feel when I why do I start humming dancing music and I start humming the Cantina band from Star Wars? Why why is that the first thing that comes to mind? Sorry. Because you have Star Wars on the brain. Yes. Yes, I do. I also want to blow up the earth because it obstructs my view of Venus. No, oh, uh dear. think about this. This is the second time that I can think of immediately that we have microbots or nanobots, however you want to name them, mm-hmm. that get it wrong. Right. They right. they don't understand. Well, this is, you know, and it's not the first time that we've had um, robots or a subservient uh, slave race rise up against it's programmers or those who have, you know, been in charge, uh, you know, the, the uh, robots of death being one in particular, the, the whole storyline with the Ood, um, right. Comes to mind. Um, you know, so this is, this is not an unfamiliar phrase, if you will, from Dr. Who, there's a lot of stuff in this episode that felt very familiar. This episode primarily continued to develop the character relationship and the dynamic between the doctor and bill, right? The story isn't, I don't think the story that we got this episode is going to be a far-reaching, important uh, one as in terms of the overall plot of the season. But it definitely continues to build on the relationship and build the connection between the Doctor and Bill. It's not to say it's not a good episode, because I think it was, but it's not something I feel that is going to have large ramifications on the season as a whole. It had some common themes with other things that you've seen in the past that kind of go back to the whole anti-slavery idea. Um, mm-hmm. and the whole, uh, the whole idea of forgiveness, mm-hmm. because, you know, we get to the end and we, we have a lesson in forgiveness, you know, um, but we also, it, it, there's also some weird territory in here as well that I don't necessarily think that everyone sees necessarily at the surface. And what I mean by that is you have a scenario where these robots, these two different kinds of robots, have been programmed since their time of uh, conception by their human creators mm-hmm. to to see things a certain way yeah. and to ensure their happiness right. and satisfaction. And so, when that goes awry and they behave in a way that we don't want them to, and it is directly based back on the fact that they were programmed that way from the beginning. Do you really have the ability to blame these robots programmed to see things this way, or should you forgive that? Wow, that's a very. <laughs> uh, I see your point, but I think. Uh, but wow. Jeez, yeah. I don't know how, 
I don't know where to go from there. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, and that that is what I was thinking of when I when I said that we have a, a lesson in forgiveness at the end of this thing. Well, well yes, you know. true. Um, but <laughs> wow. But the whole thing um, with the the Vardy and their emoji bot interfaces, because that's that's essentially what they right. are, is they're one consciousness in a sense. The doctor references back to a story right. several times. He calls it the magic haddock, mm -hmm. uh, which, of course, he tells at the end. Basically, the wish is interpreted from a different point of view right. than that the creator or the wisher intended. And it it's also a bit of a commentary on, you know, well, if all you want is happiness, you know, what costs are you willing to pay to ensure that happiness? Right, right. And we get that whole idea. And uh, interestingly enough, the, the, the Magic Haddock story is sort of a conglomeration from two different stories, a Russian fairy tale and uh, a short story called The Monkey's Paw. Don't ask me what it's about because I haven't read it. But I was just doing some research before we started recording, and apparently it's sort of a conglomeration of a that's, Russian fairy tale and the short story A Monkey's Paw. That's actually uh, The Monkey's so. Paw is a pretty good story, and it's a very good example oh. of what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Cool. You should read it. Um, <laughs> it sounds interesting. But yeah, so um, Magic Haddock, uh, you know, is what you wish for really what you want. And how, to, because the, he tells the story and the uh, gentleman who caught the Magic Haddock uh, was granted three wishes. He asked for his two wishes, first two wishes for his son to come home from the war and to receive a hundred pieces of gold. Right. Uh, his son returned from a war in a coffin and the king for his bravery, paid the family a hundred pieces of gold. Yeah. So he got his wishes, but not the way he wanted them because the magic haddock didn't think and didn't interpret those wishes the right. way that we did. And that's the same situation we're getting, of course, with the robots. That's what the doctor is saying. And so he ends up, of course, rebooting the robots. He resets, he hits the reset button, <laughs> turns them off and turns them back on again. Yes. And wipes their memory of any notion of these colonists and forces the colonists and the Vardy and their, uh, you know, the, and the emoji bots to work together as two separate societies. Right. What did you think about that? Because he basically, you know, the, the emoji bots, uh, the Vardy are basically supposed to have been in concept servants, uh, caretakers right. of the, the city for these colonists for when they woke up. Now we're in a situation where they're being forced to essentially pay rent for a city they have right? commissioned. <laughs> what did you think about that sort of resolution? Basically, the doctor indicates that the Vardi have become sentient, which therefore makes them a life form, and right. that they are in almost every way uh, the superior life form on the planet because they are already uh indigenous <laughs> yeah so to they're speak. indigenous they're they're the, the um they're the indigenous life form they're the the natives right if you will which gives them superior claim over uh, the earthers yes and so the 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 thing that i did notice and and this is a question that i actually heard online was well can't the vardy just turn around and uh, turn on the humans you know later on and does the same thing happen all over again well Theoretically, maybe yes, but one thing I did clearly notice is that the humans no longer were wearing the badges, and the right. the badges were a direct interface with the Vardi, 
to tell them what their emotional state was. If that interface is not there, it gives them the opportunity to learn about human emotions naturally. Right. So, yeah, now it, this definitely, this resolution from the doctor definitely worked out well for the Vardy. Mm -hmm. But thinking of it from the human perspective, they basically got told to sit down, shut up, and pay rent to your <laughs> robots. Right. Uh, and be nice, even though they killed your friends and family. Because otherwise <laughs> you're going to die. Goodbye. <laughs> Well, I don't think huh? I don't think that that was a kind of turning of the situation on its ear for the humans as much as it was the doctor's way of saying, "Look, you guys have to learn to treat others equally and not treat them as subservience. If you can do that, you can live in harmony. If you can't do that, then they will take you over." <laughs> and it's also, you know, to be fair, it's the only way they're going to survive the situation. Right. It's just, while I feel the humans are adaptable and will be able to, you know, find a way to make a way to live with that, it just seems like, you know, we've been cryogenically frozen for all this time. <laughs> We're expecting to just walk into our new homes. Right. And now we've got to negotiate rent. We've got to, <laughs> you know, pay our robots for use of the city we commissioned, but they think it's theirs, and bury our friends and family members at the same time. This sucks. Well, you know, to be perfectly honest, there's not that many people left to bury. So, <laughs> true, they're going to be eating them they're, through they're, their vegetables. They're fertilizer. So, <laughs> uh, let's not think about the cannibalism aspect of that. Jeez. Well, that kind of the, the the feeling of that goes back to the Sixth Doctor's Dalek episode. <laughs> oh man. Ooh, we're bringing that one back. There's so many classic callbacks this series, man. I mean, <laughs> oh, there are. That's one of the very few Dalek episodes that's just not good. I mean, there's good aspects <laughs> to it, but that's just not a good story overall. It's it, way too much cramming in that short time period. Well, it was the, 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 remember we talked about it, they could have cut out the entire first half of it, and it would have been a much better yeah. story. So, <laughs> yes. Which, it's an interesting discussion. It's a very interesting discussion. Just in case you want to go back and listen to that, <laughs> Revelation of the Daleks. So we did an episode yeah. about that uh, a while back when we were doing our Dalek episode reviews. It's a very interesting discussion, and it's one of the few Dalek stories that I absolutely, you know, I have to be in a very specific mood to watch. To be clear, the actual story itself is not a bad story. No. It's the execution of how they told the story that was subpar. So Terrible. Yeah. It was terrible in some places. Well, when you have um, the doctor yes. literally walking and doing nothing but walking for like three episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There were like 15 subplots and yeah. it was just way too crammed. <laughs> Stuff that didn't need to be there. Anyway, um, let's move back to Smile. Did you have anything else that you wanted to bring up for this episode? I, I actually liked the fact that Bill was able to read the doctor as well as she was without the doctor uh, giving that much information away. Um, you know, because she was able to, to take bits and pieces of what she observed from him and put them together to say, this is what your deal is. And he's like, that's not what my deal is, but everybody watching the show knows that's what his deal is. You know, yes. <laughs> yes. 
And we got another <laughs> reference to Penguin with his ass on fire. Yes. <laughs> which I think is one of the most perfect descriptions of Peter Capaldi running, uh, especially when he wears a big black coat. Well, I also like the fact that we didn't have, this time around, we didn't have someone uh, as a companion who immediately was of the mindset of, I'm the good guy and I'm going to save the day and yada, 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 yada. It was more of that gray area of why do we need to get involved here? You know, what's what's the outcome of this going to be? You know, can you prove yeah. to me that this is really necessary? That kind of thing. And then right. she got involved just for the sake of him. Not right. for any other moral reason other than the fact that she was going to back him. And so I think that what's going to happen is we're going to get to see her character growth as her becoming more of someone who is less of a self-centered individual and becoming more of a person who cares about everybody else. That's just my personal yeah. opinion. Not to say that she's a, a, a primarily self-centered person now. Because no, she's no, not, no, but, no. But I do agree. She's going to, to definitely start reaching outside of herself a lot more in broader strokes, I think, than what we saw at the beginning. Right. Because, of course, you know, when the, the kid starts to realize what's going on in this episode and he starts to cry and get sad, she, of course, immediately goes right to try and comfort him. Of course, it doesn't quite work because she's still new at this and she isn't quite saying the right things, but she's trying. But um, what but I was still learning. What I was so, looking at is like when you look at characters, say, like Martha and uh, Rose and say like uh, Clara even, those characters are a lot less ambiguous when it comes to they're going to become the hero. They're going to be the good guy. You know, they're, they're more of the immediate mindset of this is the heroic thing to do and this is what I'm going to do because I'm going to be the hero, you know. and Especially Clara. You know, I'm going to be the doctor. Right. And <laughs> you don't see that so much with Bill and it gives it a feeling of realism, you know, because... You know, she's you can see the wheels turning in her head and she's asking herself, what is the real benefit from this going to be? You know, is this going to really mm -hmm. help anything? You know, and she's weighing it out. You know, is it more important that we leave this situation for our own safeties or is it more important that we try to fix this situation? Is it going to really matter? You know, right. And so. I mean, a lot of people would look at things that way and, and say, look, you know, I don't know that we're going to see any real benefit from this, you know. Uh, and, right. and I like the fact that they're not afraid to write a character that way that's more realistic and more uh, along the lines of what a real person is going to do in that situation. Awesome. Any other points or thoughts you wanted to bring up before we start getting our final thoughts and ratings on this episode? I had a whole bunch of stuff in my head before we started, and some of it's just kind of gone the way of the bird. Well, we've been kind of all over the place. We probably hit a lot of it in some fashion. <laughs> Did you notice that in a few places in this, it felt a little bit like some of the Doctor's lines could have actually been Sixth Doctor's lines? Do you have an example? Well, one example that I could think of, in the, the Sixth Doctor would have been more flippant, I think, in the way that he said it, but... Uh, the, the beginning of the statement to me really came off as more Sixth Doctor is when he almost got in her face and said, well, I have a time machine and I can go back to the exact point of when we left. <laughs> almost like a petulant child, you know, uh, and that to me came off as very Sixth, do sixth Doctor like, you know. Um, you is know. that bad? Yeah. Bad? No. <laughs> it's disastrous. 
that line especially hit me that way. There was a, a couple of other lines in there too um, that felt kind of sixth doctor like to me. Um, yeah, and and uh, I just I kind of started seeing some of the parallels that have probably been there the whole time that we maybe not picked up on between the 12th doctor and the sixth doctor <laughs> good old colin baker so underrated as a doctor i do know that i saw an article about two weeks ago uh where colin baker was talking about the fact that he enjoyed peter capaldi's performance and he said you know I could have played the doctor that way if they'd given me the opportunity to do so, but they made me play it a different way, you know? <laughs> and then he says, but you know what? About every six times they get it right. But yeah, uh, there was, there were, there were definitely at least a couple of lines in this thing that felt very six doctor like to me. Oh, yeah. No, and of course, the, the biggest problem with the Six Doctors run was not Colin Baker. The biggest problem was the writing in that time period. It was just terrible. Yeah. Depending oh, depending I'm on so the, the story arc you're talking about, especially. You know? Right. There, there, are, there are some that are pretty decent, uh, some that are pretty good, but others that are just a, a disaster, oh. rambly nightmare that don't make any sense. Anyway, this is not a critique about the Six Doctors time. Although I think it'd be kind of fun to see Peter Capaldi in a multicolored coat. <laughs> I think it would be fun to get a big finish episode that had the sixth and the twelfth in it together. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when Peter is done doing the doctor, he needs to go over to Big Finish and just start recording with the guys. We need to get uh, Peter and Tom together. We need to get Peter and peter together um we need to get peter and colin together we need to get peter and sylvester together peter and paul together okay i'm gonna stop now and then find a way to get peter and alex kingston back together because i love river and Capaldi. Um, well they would have to do an episode within that what 24 year period right on derillium <laughs> yes <laughs> who knows what adventures they would have gotten up to i'm sure there was something that happened that they you know nearly blew up the place and had to fix everything oh on the honeymoon they never got to have <laughs> right exactly i mean how else is the doctor gonna honeymoon let's go on an adventure blow stuff up almost die sounds good to me I, you know, honestly, I really am beginning to think that the the vault that he's guarding has something to do in some way with River. I, yes, I'm, because yeah. that's why Nardle is here. That's that's really where my brain is going with that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There has to be something. <laughs> and mm, all right, well, I've, let's stop. Let's stop speculating about the vault because it's gonna. <laughs> Go nowhere. All right. Let's, <laughs> final thoughts and ratings for this episode. Let's see. What should we rate this episode? Uh, emoji bots or algae cubes? Ew. <laughs> Blue jello <laughs> that smells like fish. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> no. Let's stick with the emoji bots. <laughs> so, final thoughts and rating on, on Smile. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Now, I'm not going to say that it was the best episode I've ever seen, ever, but it was. I thought it was really, really great, you know, um, which is kind of interesting um, because, uh, like I said, I accidentally ended up watching some reviews today and they got on my nerves. <laughs> it's kind of, okay, This. let me just give you an example really, really quickly. What Here's what I hate. I hate when someone 
literally picks apart an episode and talks about every single little tiny detail that they didn't like about it. And this wasn't right. And that wasn't right. And this was, you know, could have been better. And I really hated this. And, you know, and they, they never say one positive thing about it. And then they get to the end of it and they go, but the bottom line is I really like this episode and I'm going, that doesn't match anything that just came out of your mouth, you know, right? <laughs> because they're being really pretentious and it really just comes off like they're trying to be the smartest man in the room when the doctor is the smartest man in the room. <laughs> right, right. That's true. And of course, so we, we know we're not the smartest men in the room. We're just a couple of dumb yanks talking about Doctor Who. So I'm, I'm not so, going to make my reviews that way. I'm going to talk about the things I like. And then if something really stands out, I'm going to point that out. Right. Because I look at this as a whole. I don't sit there and pick this apart in little tiny pieces. As a whole, I really, really enjoyed this episode. The, the timing of it felt very classic to me especially when they ran out of the city the first time all the way back to the TARDIS and he yeah. tries to find a reason to leave her there. I was literally right. expecting a cliffhanger to happen right there so that we would start a new episode the next week and they would have to go and fix the situation. You know, that's right. how much right. of a classic vibe it felt like to me. Um, yeah, so let's I, reset and <laughs> start again. I love that aspect of it. I love the fact that we had a modern visual with a classic feel. And I really mm -hmm. like the fact that this season, especially they're starting to play with that more because, you know, last episode we had a classic visual with a more modern feel, you know? And so I think they're going to start playing with that throughout this season. And I hope that Chibnall will pick that up and say, you know what? We need to pay more homage to the classic stuff. And I'm hoping that, he will continue to have that tone carry over that feels like the classics series. I, you know, as, as cutesy poo as they were, I really felt the emoji bots were kind of disturbing um, <laughs> because they had this whole Stepford kids feel to them. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Stepford <laughs> kids or not. But that there uh, back in the eighties, I think it was, they came out with some movies based on uh, like the Stepford Wives, okay. and you would have these kids that were getting replaced by basically the equivalent of uh, Revenge of the Body Snatcher type situation. You know, they were getting replaced by like clone replacements or whatever, and they were pre-programmed to be perfect children and whatnot. And they're walking around with these big smiles on their faces that are really unnerving and really creepy, you know, and they're normal looking kids, but they scare the crap out of you when they talk to you and look at you, you know? <laughs> right. So that's the way well, there's these... always, there's always something disturbing <laughs> yeah. when something cute and friendly looking just turns evil. Yes, I know. You know? Right. And so that's, that's so. the the way this affected me. I thought that was really well played, even though I looked at him originally and I thought, that's kind of weird looking. I don't even know if I'm going to like that or not. I really ended up liking it because I thought they used it well, especially with the interface with all of the nanobots, you know? Um, right. And when, when you see them grabbing people and holding them and not letting them run away just so the nanobots can eat them, that's kind of creepy, you know? <laughs> uh, I yeah. think. So, so I like the creepy aspect of it. I really like it when Doctor Who goes to that creepy place, you know? because I'm a horror fan. But anyway, I thought it was great. I really, really thought it was great. Um, 
I actually liked it a little bit better than last week, to be honest with you, um, which kind of puts me in a predicament because I gave last week's an eight and I want to give this week's an eight, but I like this one better than last week. So <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to go an eight and a half. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, like I said, it wasn't a hundred percent perfect. I have seen better, but this was really fun. It was really good. I liked the way that it was paced. I liked the way that the overall story played out. Um, it wasn't quite as difficult to follow as last week's episode. And what I mean by that is you could miss a line of dialogue and still know what was happening in the story. You know, right. it, it wasn't that dependent on what they said. Um, you still got the vibe of what was going on. And uh, not that I'm, you know, not capable of following the story. It's just, let's be honest. <laughs> Some people have kids. Kids can be distracting. You really don't want to have to yes. re rewind every five minutes and say, what did they say? What did they say? What did they say? Because then you're taken completely out of the episode and you don't get to enjoy it at all. So right. uh, I, I liked that, the, the fact that I was able to follow it easily with my three-year-old in the room which was kind of fun because I, he was walking around like the emoji bots. He was copying the emoji bots and saying, I'm a doctor who robot. I'm a doctor who robot. <laughs> so yeah, that was really fun too, you know? And he, and he, and he was looking, awesome. he was looking at the screen and going, look, they have skull eyes, you know? <laughs> so, and, and when the episode goes off, he goes, where did doctor who go? And I said, uh, that's the end of the show. And he says, no, I want more doctor who. <laughs> so, <laughs> You have raised him well. Yes. <laughs> oh. So okay, enough of me talking about my three-year-old. What is your uh, What is your rating and review? All right. Well, I <laughs> I really like this episode. This episode felt like Doctor Who, not just classic Doctor Who, but modern Doctor Who. It had the you know, it was a great conglomeration of you know the best of Doctor Who. It wasn't an epic episode. But it was a good episode. It was a fun episode. And you really got to explore the fact that Bill is new to this whole traveling thing. She's new to the doctor. And she's still getting her feet wet and figuring out what's going on. I am going to be sad at the end of this season because we're not going to have two seasons worth of Bill and the doctor. I'm just going to be really annoyed that we're not going to have more time for 12 and Bill to uh, explore the universe together because I really like these two. This is the companion we should have had last season. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <sighs> well, then they wouldn't have been able to do the whole hybrid episodes and all of that. So, you know. Which would have been fine with me. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. But, but I mean, uh, man, I, I, want Peter to, I want Peter to have one more season so we can get another year of Bill Potts and the 12th Doctor, because these two are, it's one of the best pairings since Ten and Rose, or Ten and Donna, in, in our case. Yeah, right. I, I love Ten and Donna, but well, Ten and Rose is classic, and it's one of the best pairings we've had since then. Let me put it this way, with the dynamic of the Doctor and Companion changing between Clara and uh, Capaldi's Doctor, I would almost rather have seen the hybrid story arc that takes place over that entire season have taken place before the 11th doctor stepped out because yeah. at that point it would have been more believable to me because of their dynamic versus the dynamic we had after that. Yeah. And so, yeah, for, for me personally, not because she can't act or because of anything of that nature, it was just the chemistry was off. 
The chemistry was not there. Between uh, You're talking about between Clara and Between 12, Clara right? and 12, yes. Between Clara and 12, because the chemistry was just not the same once uh, Matt no. Smith stepped out. Because her chemistry with Matt Smith was fine. Absolutely fine. It was great. But then as soon as Peter Capaldi came on the scene, their chemistry was not there at all. And I yeah. think people picked up on that. And I think that's one of the reasons why people started complaining about it's time for Clara to go. You know, and right. I don't think it was directly, you know, because of her, though, as much as it was just the chemistry was off, you know. And I'm one of those people. I, I didn't I didn't think the chemistry worked with uh, 12 and Clara the way that I that it should have. Right. It wasn't bad, but it just wasn't the way it, it wasn't as good as it should have been. And because we had a great chemistry between Clara and Eleven. Right. I loved the, right. that pair. I loved the pair of them together. And then Clara and 12 had that rocky first part of the first season, right. which made sense. And I thought they were going to build on that going forward. But then we got to series nine and she's trying to replace the doctor by being the doctor yeah. in a sense. And I'm like, you're competing for the same space and only one of you can fill that void. And the doctor's got so much more years on you. Yeah. You got no chance, Clara. <laughs> so it was just, it was one of those things where it, the way that they, you know, I, I was fine with the relationship and the, you know, ups and downs that they had in series eight, it made sense. But the way that they took it in series nine, it just didn't feel quite right. Right. And I, I, I'm really happy that we have, of course, we're only two episodes in with Bill and the 12th doctor. So, you know, maybe I'm jumping the gun and jumping the conclude my, to my conclusions on this, but this is one of my favorite pairings that we've had in a while when it comes to doctor and companion. And I love it. Um, that being said, let me get to my rating for this episode. Sorry. Because I, I did enjoy it. It was a good, solid episode. It uh, felt like Doctor Who. Yeah. It felt like, you know, and when I say Doctor Who, that encompasses classic Who, new Who, some of the stories outside of the TV show. You know, right. it just felt like Doctor Who. It felt like home. Right. It wasn't a big, epic, universe-spanning, uh, you know, earth-shaking right. emotional episode but it felt like home and uh and i'm gonna give it an eight because of that because it re i really liked it the chemistry was there it felt like doctor who yeah and at least the doctor who that i'm you know, a big fan of, and of course we all know how much of a classic <laughs> whovian i am so you know maybe i'm being a little biased in this case, but <laughs> that being said, I'm going to give it an eight. Um, it's not going to be a big, you know, explosive, dynamic, overly exciting episode, but it felt like home. It felt like the show. It right. felt like what, you know, a, a nice overview of what this show is kind of supposed to be. It was a nice picture of the show. Yeah. I personally feel like they should have started to bring in more of the classic elements years ago. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I not not because I'm trying to be all look at me. I'm a classic who fan or whatever, but it's more of the feeling of uh, you have people that have been fans of the show, some of them for 50 years, you know, right. and they're just as big of fans of the new stuff as they are the classic stuff. And those people alone wanted to see more of the classic elements carrying over. And I think it's fine if the first four or five years don't have as much of that in it as 
you know, what you had before. But I think right. at some point you're, you're going to be able to feel comfortable enough to say, look, we could take some chances with this, even though some of the newer fans are not going to understand it right off the bat. Classic fans are going to love it, and I think we could put more of this in. And I don't think that they did that as quickly as they were able to, and still, you know, have the fans accept it. You know? And maybe that's because of the doctors that they had, because David Tennant and Matt Smith are sort of the defining look of mm -hmm. New Who. And if you had them doing classic Who shtick, in a sense, that would have seemed very out of place. I get this now. This is really strange or at least it was to me, because this was an article that I accidentally ran into this week uh, talking about the people that played the Doctor and different aspects about them that were similar. Okay. And here's the crazy part. Did you know that there are only two incarnations of the Doctor that have not had blue eyes? Really? Yes. I didn't realize that. Who? Yes. David Tennant. And Matt Smith. Everyone else has had blue Everyone eyes. Everyone else has had blue eyes. And it was an intentional thing that they looked at when casting the next Doctor. Because that was supposed to be something that was a, a trait of his character that was supposed to be a rarity for the Gallifreyans. Is you, you, didn't, see as, you didn't see blue eyes as prevalent in Gallifreyans as you did in humans and other races like that. And uh, oh <laughs> so because there had never been an actor cast as Doctor Who that did not have blue eyes, there were certain people that got bent out of shape when David Tennant got cast as the Doctor just because he did not have blue eyes. <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... I thought that was a kind of an interesting thing. Between, I don't think it was intentional between the first and second and maybe even the third Doctor, but once they got to the fourth Doctor of Tom Baker, and it was something that the prior, the prior three had had, uh -huh. it was something that became one of the reasons they cast certain people as the Doctor was because they all had blue eyes. And that was supposed to be one of the common features that carried over to each incarnation is the fact that he always had blue eyes. Wow. I, I'm looking at some of these, and <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, there are different shades of blue. Some are more gray than others, but you're not wrong. But they're all blue. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. I've got three more doctors to check. Um, I'm from now, the classic series. Of course, David Tennant has brown eyes, and Matt Smith has green eyes, and then Peter Capaldi has blue eyes again. Now, if you think about it in those terms, though, that could have easily been fixed with colored contacts had they chosen to go that route, but they didn't choose to do that. Right. <laughs> this is uncanny. <laughs> All again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, hold on. Christopher Eccleston. <laughs> you know Eccleston's got blue yep, eyes. He, he's, got, he's got some really... He's like almost got steely blue eyes. Yeah. Like gray blue eyes. Dynamic blue um, eyes. Let me see. John He's got like a dark, almost bluish green. Eyes. It's kind of hard to see though, because of all the wrinkly eye, you know, the wrinkles around his eyes. <laughs> yep, yeah. There's there's definitely grayish blue eyes there. That's 
crazy. Yeah, every I never noticed that. Every incarnation of the Doctor, except for uh, ten and eleven, have had blue eyes, including twelve. <laughs> yeah, there's there's my familiar looking brown eyes and David Tennant. One, Matt Smith. Oh yeah, he's got green eyes. Probably why they gave him a green light at the end of his sonic screwdriver <laughs> to match his eyes. And then Peter Capaldi. Let's do this. He's got dynamic blue eyes. He's got like brilliant blue eyes. Yes. Like, oh my gosh. Not not like <laughs> Like Eccleston's. Yeah. <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> okay. So we just spent way too much time with me Googling all the doctors' pictures um, to look at their eyes, to look deep into their eyes. Are you? Um, are, is your brain exploding? Just a little bit. Mind blown. Wow, that's interesting. Um, all right. Well, I think we need to, since we went off on that tangent, I think we need to start wrapping up this show before we spend another five minutes doing something else completely random. Um, oh, my gosh. Well, um, folks, we want to get you guys involved with this. We had a little bit of an issue getting our episode out last week, so uh, we didn't really have a chance to, to kickstart this last after last episode. But uh, we want you to get involved with our discussion on these stories. So uh, we're going to start on our Facebook page and our Talking Time Wars Facebook group, which is more of a dis- where we want to have a lot of discussions now. Uh, we're starting to try and get that up and running. We want to get your thoughts on this episode. And we'll start with those next week because we want to hear from more than just Paul and I, because, you know, we tend to like a lot of the same things, apparently, uh, as we found. <laughs> and so we want to get some other thoughts and, and ideas in, in here about about some of these episodes, especially now that we've got totally new stories that no one has ever seen before. So um, which is such an exciting thing to say. Uh, so be sure to keep an eye for those of you um, on our Facebook, Twitter uh, and Facebook group pages. Um as after this episode is posted, we will start asking your opinions on the episode. And we'll start off with some of those next time. Uh, so that will be facebook.com slash talking time lords. Uh, we'll post the link to our group there on the Facebook page. Or uh, you can tweet us at, at talking time lord or email us your thoughts at talking time lords at gmail.com. Of course, our website, uh, where you can find links to all of our social media, as well as links to all of our previously released episodes at TalkingTimeLords.com Of course, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, or wherever you find our lovely little podcast. We would greatly appreciate that. Uh, get the word out, because Doctor Who's yeah. back, and we're talking about it, and uh, we want you guys to get in on the conversation, and we just want to talk about this stuff. This is why we have the podcast to begin with, is this is fun to talk about, and you know, geek out about, and be fans about. So, uh, get the word out, because we want to we want to expand the conversation uh, here, so... And by the way, guys, we do actually have voicemail on our website. So if you want to leave us a voice message, now granted it's not going to be able to be very long, but if you want to leave us a voice message, just giving us your thoughts on something, we'd like to hear from you that way too. Yeah. And if your thoughts are too long for the voicemail on the website, record yourself on an MP3 and email that to us. We'll get it that way. So yeah. Uh, Anything else, Paul, before we, we wrap up this episode here? I'm really looking forward to seeing what's at the bottom of the River Thames. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that we had an African elephant on the ice on oh. the River Thames. That's my favorite animal in the world, is an African elephant. Oh, man. 
<laughs> so just seeing an African elephant is amazing. <laughs> seeing it come out of the snow on top of a frozen river. Right? Is something I never thought I'd see. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll wrap up this episode of Talking Time Lords. This has been episode number 67, Angry Eyebrows and Emoji Bots. For Paul, I'm Jason, and remember, until next time... May you hope far-flung hopes and dream impossible dreams. Thanks, everybody. Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts. Or visit patreon.com slash thunderquack to help support the shows.
blue freaking eyes. Yes. <laughs> they all have blue eyes. Yes. Except for two of them. Yes. Because that was supposed to be a running theme. Um, and it was, uh, it wasn't in the original canon, but it was something that was included in the canon. Once the novels and all of that started coming out and everything, uh, it became included in the canon that the doctor had uh, the rare blue color eyes that most Gallifreyans did not have. So I never noticed this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, which to be perfectly honest, I think was probably the reason why they got the idea for the eighth doctor movie to do the whole retina scan and all of that in the first place, you know? So, Mm. yeah. Well, but I thought that was really interesting little fact, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I will never look at the doctors the same way again. It it makes me want to take a picture of the 10th doctor and put blue eyes in it just to see what it looks like, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. 